Hello, hello, welcome to The Swerve Effect. I am your host, Kayla Hargett, and I welcome you and your ear holes to another episode. So this is a place where I sit down and I talk to people about their swerve. And what I really love about these conversations is that it allows us to sit back and really truly just hear each other out. To understand the reason, the excitement, the true why behind why someone chooses to take a certain risk or follow a certain passion or live a certain lifestyle even. And even though we may not agree with it or would choose to do the same thing, maybe we can gain an understanding, empathy, and respect for the individual and unique lives we all choose to live. And if you're like me and you want to know how, how did you do that? How did you start that? How did you get through that? You're going to learn the tips, tricks, resources, ways, and really most importantly, their intuition, how that led them to their swerve, through their swerve, and of course, after their swerve. Also, you can head to my website, www.theswerveeffect.com to find out how to contact them, where to find them, and some of the tips and resources they had mentioned during the episode. Okay, enough yapping from me. Let's get to the good stuff. All right, you guys, buckle up. It is going to be a good one. I'm so excited about today's episode. I am talking to Meg Knappenberger. She is a Midwest-rooted wife, mama, and fine arts painter. She creates large acrylic paintings inspired by the Midwest upbringing and home. She's a free-spirited style that walks the line between abstract and realism, and she paints exclusively with a palette knife. One of her biggest accomplishments was that she has become the only artist that's been licensed by the Jayhawks. She's been featured in the Kansas City Star, ESPN Kansas City, the University Daily Kansas, and also Casey Live TV. But she's not always been a professional artist. It didn't happen in just one day. She actually had her own design company, but after she had her baby and experienced a pretty significant injury, she returned back to work and decided... I've got to swerve. So she's here to tell you guys about that story. So grab a drink, kick your feet up, get ready to listen. I'm like already sweating though. Like I feel like I need to dab it off a bit. Okay, I'm assuming it's working. Let me see. Nat's husband's like dove extra strength like once a week. I use extra strength. I use Old Spice, men's Old Spice. <laughs> Definitely yeah, not natural, but it does smell so good. It's like, mm. Because like the women's stuff smells like baby butt yeah, or something. I know. And Why I'm just like, not a kid like babies. I don't want to smell like a baby. And also, what grown woman wants to smell like a baby I want to smell sexy-ish. Yeah. Manly <laughs> sexy. <laughs> <laughs> sexy yeah. yeah, but approachable yeah. at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Anyways. Musky. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by my little baby podcast yeah. room. Thanks for having me. No props. So I just met you five seconds ago. We're going to get into this. Let's do it. So I, a little birdie told me that there was a moment where you had, and this could have been like slightly dramatized. <laughs> But, like, 25 cents in the old bank account when you became the only artist to land a KU license for your six original Jayhawk paintings that a single human, P.S., I want to know what he does for a living, (laughs) bought them for $150,000. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to grab my coffee and I'm going to sit back and And I'm going to be like, how the fuck did that happen? (laughs) Magic. Please tell. No, not magic. It, it really did happen. Yeah, I mean, where do I begin? <laughs> uh, the story, it's funny, I've told this story a few times, and every time I tell it, I remember bits 
that take it back a little further. Oh. And I'm such a breadcrumb person <laughs> that I love to like connect the dots over things. Yeah. So I could give you like the abbreviated, but from the first breadcrumb. I want it all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started with Toby Keith. Do you know? Toby Keith. Do you know who Toby Keith? Okay, is? it's already interesting. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Country. Uh, classic yes. Toby Keith. Mm-hmm. So there was this event that Toby Keith performed at in Topeka. It was like a private company celebration. And a friend of mine got an invite and it asked me to be her plus one. And I had just started painting full time. Okay. I was probably like four or five months in. And it was this event of like... Um, you know, politicians from Kansas. I mean, it was like this hugely, uh, like, well-attended, big networking opportunity for me. Okay. So I was like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Can, I, can I cuss? I already said fuck once. Oh, okay, cool. So we're good. We'll try to limit it. <laughs> yeah. So I went with her. We had a blast. We met a few politicians, and one of them invited me to come to Topeka and see the office and just kind of get a little tour And so while I was there, I realized I had never been into the Capitol building. Um, You know, I grew up in St. Louis. I didn't grow up Mm. here. So I, uh, did you you grow up in St. Louis? Well, not like, uh, not grew up, but I spent 12 years there. Really? You're about my same age. Yeah. Are you, how old are you? Where do you go to high school? I went to St. Joe. Okay. That's like the Missouri question. Yeah. Um, I went to Francis Hall Central. Really? Yeah. That's bananas. Maybe we know people. When did you graduate? 2001. Okay, I graduated in 2000, so we totally are the same age. Uh, huh. Anyways, Funny. back to your awesome Small story. World. We'll get into that a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, we should. <laughs> hmm. I love that when I come across other St. Louis people. I mean, we're, we're They all come here because it sucks there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly hate to diss St. Louis and especially Missouri. I don't know if you've noticed. In the past, like, two years, or really in the past years, I think since the whole Michael Brown thing happened I feel like Missouri is the new Arkansas like Mm -hmm. every tv show every everything that's trying to pick a place that sucks now picks Missouri and I feel like they're really getting picked on and like they really are because I notice that people when you say like well where are you from like oh she's in she's from Missouri she's like I'm it's Kansas City yeah like Like, people really like the very specific like don't put me in the state but you can put me in that I think it's becoming like a thing that people are embarrassed about and I think like there's kind of a Trump country thing about it too but anyway we could I know we could talk all day (laughs) about that but anyway so I, I hate to diss on Missouri I actually try to celebrate it as much as I can because visit mo.com yeah totally right <laughs> um yeah I, I totally lost my train of thought we're, oh yeah we're talking about how you made 150k oh, right. is what we were talking That's... about and Toby Keith the politician <laughs> inviting you back to oh his right business. yeah okay so I was in the so I didn't grow up going to field trips at the capitol building uh, and so I wandered in there because I I just love doing that I love just following curiosity and kind of you know exploring things when I'm in a place I've never been Mm -hmm. and so I wandered in and in the uh, basement level of the capitol building is a hallway of famous Kansans and there was a portrait of Dr. Naismith who is the inventor of basketball first coach at KU I went to KU so I recognized him and I thought like oh it'd be really cool to do a portrait series of famous Kansans and so I came home and decided I was going to do that for my husband for Father's Day that year. And Aww. so I painted the portrait and I gave it to him and it was all this big, beautiful thing. And then he showed it to his brothers and and it was like, oh, maybe I could sell some prints of this <laughs> thing. And then 
that kind of snowballed into um, someone seeing the print, uh, Michael Wilson, who was of Nile watches at the time, they were on the plaza. Mm -hmm. He bought one for his shop. He had a license with KU for, um, for a watch series that he had done, and we talked about licensing. And he kind of helped open the door for me to explore licensing with KU, which is something that I had thought about for a long time, but had heard that it's impossible to get licensed. And so it's something I never even considered was possible. Mm-hmm. But meeting somebody who could make an introduction and sort of vouch for me was huge because it it got me past like a lot of the, you know, people every day, all day with every college go in and want licensing. And they're like, oh, I found this coffee mug and I want to put the logo on it. <laughs> there's not a lot of original ideas yeah. in that space. So, and there's not a lot of luxury items in that space, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. So we talked about it. And then I just went dark for three months, which is kind of how I roll. Like, <laughs> oh, cool. We're going to partner. All right. I'm going to go work on this. And then just total darkness. Yeah. And so I did the paintings. I Research is a big part of my process, so I did a lot of research, went back and forth from Lawrence, you know, kind of wandered around, may have, like, you know, ducked under the ropes in Allen Fieldhouse oh. and, you know, <laughs> sat in there alone, which is, I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is where the Jayhawks play basketball. Okay. And it's kind of a mecca for college sports or really for sports in general, I would say. And so that's some place that it's amazing to be in there when it's completely full of people but to be in there when it's silent is so cool that's gotta be cool. so cool so research did that painted them went to a limestone quarry dug up a bunch of limestone and i ended up making mixing rock chalk into the paint which was that's crazy like how did you even think to do that you know i just have it's such a cool idea i mean thank you i just have these crazy (laughs) ideas and I often just have the idea and then decide I'm going to do it and kind of figure out how to do it along the way. And I wanted to mix. I originally had had ideas. There's six Jayhawks. I originally wanted to mix one thing into each one. And I'm still kind of holding on to those other ideas because I'm going to probably use them later. So they're secret. Yeah, they're secret. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can't know. This isn't like the podcast and get some sneaky information out of you. I mean, you you probably can. Kind of a big deal. (laughs) If you press me, you probably could get it. (laughs) No, I won't touch it. Yeah, so I um, mixed that into the paint. And that was something that um, the Rock Chalk chant at KU is something that's been in existence forever. But I don't think most people have actually seen limestone rock chalk that's the mm-hmm. I, the name and the phrase rock chalk comes because KU is built basically on a giant limestone hill and uh, so okay it's all making sense then. yeah so like the geology club back in the 19 somethings early on uh created the rock chalk chant okay and so there's a definite connection to limestone and limestone is a Kansas thing so creating that making that tangible and mixing it into the paint was just something that no one had ever really done before. Mm-hmm. And so the licensing director there who had been there for 35 plus years, we surprised him. And I think that's a pretty tough thing to do because he's seen it all, all yeah. day, every day. <laughs> I was going to ask that. I'm like, I yeah. wonder, did they already know that that was going to be the case? And that's like kind of what helped them in the licensing. So, oh my gosh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I, de- I think it, that definitely helped. What I was mean, his reaction to that? 
Well, I can't really say because he used an expletive and I don't want to, <laughs> um, like in an excited manner, but oh. we brought three of the paintings with us and they were big, you know, like four foot square paintings. Oh, wow. And so we brought them and lined them up in the hallway outside of his office and they they don't say yes to artists ever because most people come in and they say like, okay, I love the Jayhawks, but I, I want to give it, you know, fiercer talons or I want to put a funny sweater on it or... They want to take and, like, anthropomorphize Mm -hmm. the Jayhawk in some way. And you can't really do that, especially for licensed trademarks. Yeah. And my background, formerly, we can get into that later, was Mm -hmm. um, in branding. And so I used to actually create logos, write the brand book, write all of the, okay, you know, know please do not do this with the (laughs) the logo. So I totally understood that and respected that, and I was really careful to do a very... Um, you know, spot-on representation of the mark. And I think that really helped our case, too, because, that yeah, I mean, we sat down in his office that day and pretty instantly, before I could even say anything, he was like, yeah, we don't work, we don't work with artists because they, you know, bastardize the... <laughs> and so we kind of talked and then was like, okay, well, just come see him. We brought him. And so we, like, got him up out of his chair oh into the gosh. hallway and... Um, yeah, and he was he was pretty surprised and impressed, I think, to see the rock chalk that way. Sure. So then, what? So that's just to get your say. This is like how badass I am. That's to get my licensing. Yeah, that's to be and able then, to say. That's to be able to have the permission to sell something with a Jayhawk. With a J. Okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't know if they had like also purchased no, some no, to no. put inside of the facility or something. No, not moving. yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Yeah. If you you know do a painting of any logo essentially you have to have the permission of that brand to sell it a lot of people don't um i usually err on the side of getting permission because i mean it only helps wants to be sued right i mean yeah (laughs) i've been i've been sued before so or i've been given a cease and desist back in back in the day too so oh my god um, that's that's another story also (laughs) part three of this episode so i mean i would imagine you're feeling really confident in your painting but when he said Yes, and was surprised. Did that surprise you? No, I. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, no, I mean, I knew they were good. I knew they were unique. Nothing else mm-hmm. out there. Nothing else was out there like that. So, yeah. and also, frankly, when you go to the licensing director um, for any brand, you come with a marketing plan. So, you know, we had done all the numbers, mm-hmm. the whole plan to say. Here's how we're going to roll this out. Here's the schedule. Here's what your royalty is going to be over one, five, ten years. And the way that we priced everything was such that they stood to make some good money on it. Dang. So, you know, I was confident in that. It's not like we were just asking for a yes and they got nothing in return. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they get a return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> so I did a little bit of stalking on you as well. Mm. And there was this one, I guess you could say, quote of yours. And you said, I've been more successful as a painter than I ever was as, as a designer. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So did that give you a sense of validation in that moment? Like, okay, I made the right decision. Yeah, totally. I mean, when while we were waiting for a yes from licensing, it took a few weeks to get an official yes. Mm-hmm. That was when... I had that oh shit moment because I I truly had 27 or 28 cents in my bank account, in my business bank account. Man. And it was like, wow, this really has to work because I invested time, you know, three months or four months of time and money and 
all this effort into something that I really believed was going to work. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, they were kind of holding that whether or not I could actually sell those pieces. That was in their hands. And so if that hadn't worked, that would have, you know, that would have been a big... Yeah, I was like, going to say, what, what do you... What do you think would have happened if they didn't? What would I mean, I next? would. <laughs> my husband would be happy because we'd have six giant Jayhawks in our home. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have just had to pivot and try something else, which is, you know, I've had other things fail in the past, yeah. and I just have to like say, okay, well, that didn't work. Yeah, I guess I better try something else. So then, how soon after you got the permission to sell it, did you sell it? Um. Let's to we, Mr. Rich. Yeah, we <laughs> um, we debuted them at the Plaza Art Fair that year. What year was this? Uh, this was 2016, 17. I wonder if oh I gosh, saw no, them. I remember. They were in the Nile store on the plaza. Okay. So they were like right along the walking path. We debuted them that, you know, first Friday evening. And um, so that was in like September, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And then they sold in December. So they were they were hanging for a few months and yeah I mean it was definitely like trying to cultivate a buyer was mm-hmm. one thing for those because I really wanted to sell them as a collection. Okay. So the first night of the opening we had offers on individual pieces mm-hmm. and like a crazy person I said no. I want them to live oh, together God. as a set <laughs> which was in kind of insane yeah. but I just knew if I ever wanted them to be able to travel together in the future or to be displayed on campus together someday or, uh, you know, just to have a life beyond the person who purchased them, I knew they needed to go as a set. Did you expect them to go for that much? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you did? I mean, that's why we priced them yeah. that high. And really the pricing was strategic, and wow. to be totally frank, because we wanted – the paintings. I mean, first of all, they. I knew their value was that because mm-hmm. there's a there's an original, and then there's the print reproductions that I'm still selling that I'll sell forever and ever. Okay. And so we saw it as becoming this, you know, image that's synonymous with being an alumni. Mm-hmm. And so for people, you know, everyone would have one in their house. Yeah. And then for people to get to see the original and to say, oh my gosh, that's the original, that is worth $25,000 a painting for that to be the original. So it was, that was part of it. But also we wanted it to make news when they sold because... You just went balls to the wall for your first one. (laughs) I I did. I mean, I had been working and doing other, you know, trying things for probably eight months or... That was around when I like rolled over my first year was when we launched the Jayhawks. Okay. So, you know, I had been trying a lot of other things that were trying and failing and trying and failing. But they said that's what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like when you write down your goals or your dreams, it's like you just go... I think Rachel Hollis said it or something. Mm -hmm. She's just like write down like the biggest dreams that you would want Mm -hmm. to happen and just as if they're already going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's just like let's let's do this. And, you know, I had to really believe that they were worth that and believe that somebody would be willing to buy them for that. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't, why would anyone else Correct. believe that? So I mean, you've been painting your whole life, essentially. Mm-hmm. But full-time but only full for time years. only, yeah, for mm-hmm. a short period of time. What advice would you give an artist when they are questioning, is my stuff good enough to yeah. sell for that much? How do I price my first piece? How much did you price your first piece for? How do you stick oh, a number on yeah. it? Because you're thinking, I've already got to be this top big dog. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. And it's, I think, one of the most common questions that 
I see and that I hear as, you know, I'm kind of in that world and listening and reading things too. It's, it's tough. I mean, I came at it from the perspective of entrepreneur and running a design business where, you know, there's a similar thing there, which is what hourly rate should I work at and Mm -hmm. how should I price myself hourly? And there's a lot of different formulas for that. You know, how to figure out that is based on how much money do you want to make divided by how many weeks you want to work, blah, 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 blah. So I just came at it from a really kind of a like non-emotional place. It was like, okay, well, this is how much money I need to make to bring in money to support my family. Because, yeah. you know, I have to make money too. I'm not just like hanging out, being, <laughs> painting, being supported. Painting, singing, doing it. Your- yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. But you hadn't, so your swerve was that you actually had had a business before this. It was design and branding. What exactly did you design? So I was a graphic designer and oh, I did... graphic, okay. Yeah, so I did branding for mostly like food and restaurants. I kind of found this like special niche in quick serve restaurants that were um, looking to start franchising. So oh, okay. maybe they had like four or five locations. I would come in and kind of like build their brand book, help sort of like consolidate things, and then and then they'd be ready to basically hand that over to a franchisee yeah so it's kind of like creating a little uh toolbox for them yeah so you went to school for graphic design I did. then I did yeah I did that for about 12 years what inspired you to go for graphic design is it because you still <laughs> wanted a little bit of creativity and design but you just yeah. didn't fully yeah I mean it's the it was the commercially acceptable way to be an artist <laughs> or you know the yeah. socially acceptable way to be an artist because I could get a real job have a real income and not just be, you know, painting all day, which is humorous to me now because that is what I'm doing. <laughs> but we are all trained to believe that being a painter is like the surest means to be starving and yeah. poor. So <laughs> yeah, so I just, I did that and that was a way to, to keep creativity in my life. When you get a design degree, you still do a lot of the analog work. So you take drawing classes, you take painting classes and color oh. theory. And so you're still pretty close to it. And I think what becomes a bummer later is when you get out of school and you start working for clients and there's this thing that happens with clients where they begin to art direct um, mm-hmm. the work that you're doing there's a there's this it's hard to find clients that trust you to entrust your vision and you know that you're going to create something really cool for them they really want to be like well you know my wife really likes purple so it should be purple <laughs> like, it's like well that's a really dumb idea but so <laughs> that's funny yeah when I was coming with the logo for the podcast uh, I was the same way. I was just like you have no idea what you're doing, Kayla. Just let them just take a picture. I'm like, I want to be crossing my legs with a martini in my hand yeah. and my dog on my shoulder and somehow portray seriousness, okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you get all of that into just like get, one really yeah. simple mark that and you I can read blue. on. Yeah, and blue. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how long had you worked in graphic design and branding? So I, when I graduated, I worked in a few different places. I had kind of done the big agency thing, the small in-house thing, the um, small like boutique agency thing. And then um, right after I got married in 2010, I decided to start my own agency. So I lived in Chicago at the time. I started doing branding work just for myself. And then I did that. We moved to Kansas City back in um, 2013. Okay. So I did it for a few years there and then had to kind of like uproot and move to KC mm. with that business and then yeah I think after we moved to KC I I had my son about a year later and I think having 
my son started to kind of rumble my, I guess my like desire to be spending my time doing something that I really loved mm. because I mean, like having a kid like really sort of rocked my world, I would say. And, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> and everyone's world. I yeah. mean, it's, a, it's like a huge change. So, you know, I remember thinking I'm paying someone to watch my kid all day and I'm sitting here doing something that I kind of hate. And that's that seems broken to me. Yeah. And so that was those were like a few of the first like glimmers for me to, to realize that I wanted to be doing something different. Was there a particular day that you can remember that was triggered where you were like, I'm out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can. Well, I mean, there's a few. But um, when my son was one, I uh, slipped and fell down our stairs and I hurt my back. And it was like, oh, this kind of hurts, but I'm going to push through and you know, over the course of about five or six months, it got worse and worse and worse and to the point where I just, I had to like stop working oh and God. take a sabbatical. Whoa. I couldn't lift him. I had two discs that were slipped in my back, which like nerve pain is insane if you've ever experienced that. So that was like a, I decided to basically sort of close my business and like put it on idle for a few months while I could heal and recoup and a few months later, when it was time for me to come back to work, people were starting to email me and say, you know, like, hey, I have this cool project. And and this one, I won't say who it was, but there was this project that came across my desk that was the dream project. Oh and God. and I didn't want to do it. I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's when I knew. I was like, and I had been kind of painting while I was taking my time off. Mm-hmm. And I just knew, like, God, I just went through this thing that, was so so hard and so so awful and I spent a ton of time just like in pain and down and it really made me you know just spend some time with myself Mm -hmm. and get real and you know get a little more in tune to my bod being able to like (laughs) listen and like hear my own intuition and that's when it was like okay maybe painting can be a real job and I will never know unless I try so was it scary to leave oh yeah of course because you do have that stigma in your head, starving artist, starving artist, and you have this one-and-a-half-year-old. I know you were feeling it in that moment when you had that opportunity for the dream job, but mm-hmm. was that immediate? You're like, I'm done, I'm quitting? Or was this week where you're like, what do yeah. I do? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of both. Mm. I think it was partly this date that I had in my mind for when I was going to go back to work, to mm-hmm. my other work, that I just decided, nope. Um, I'm not going to go back to that, but then kind of like, shit, what am I going to do this? And yeah, I mean, it's scary as hell. It's, you know, it's still like there's scary moments and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I always like joke that there's this perfect balance of fear and comfort that Mm -hmm. where like magic happens. And for me, it's like 70, 30, like (laughs) 30%. I'm feeling a little, or not fear, but I would say like discomfort, uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. because it's all about you're growing, you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> you know, at that time it was way more severe, but <laughs> yeah. So it just, what was day one? You've quit your job and you wake up in your morning and you're like, okay, I'm a full-time uh, artist. Yeah. I remember laying on the floor and finding it very hard to do the things that I need to do to, to be able to paint and be creative. And that it's funny, like the hardest part about it was allowing myself to keep non-traditional hours to spend time out in the woods 
getting weird, you know. <laughs> That's what I like to say. I like, kind of want more details, yeah. but I mean, I mean were you like, like jumping in, naked in a circle around I mean, a I, bush? Or? I wish no, like, <laughs> but just being like being in nature, you know, sketching in nature, you know, making charcoal rubbings of bark, and just kind of like really being outside and just kind of letting myself be inspired. Mm-hmm. And taking time, and sometimes, you know, when I paint, when that happens, it's fast and furious, and sometimes it lasts for a whole day or a whole week, but it's, you know, it's not that all day, every day, mm-hmm. and so the amount of time that I'm spending painting and the amount of time I'm spending preparing to paint are, you know, not equal. I would mm-hmm. say the amount of time that I prepare is so much more, yeah. and it's all about, like, I have to feel good, I need to be fed, I need to you know, have slept well, which I have a five-month-old, so, like, that hasn't been happening that much. (laughs) And, you know, it's, I had to totally retrain myself to allow those things Mm -hmm. and to know that, like, that's as important to my painting as the physical act of painting. Yeah. Do you feel, and not that 35 is old at all, or 35, or even, like, closer to 40, did the thought go through your mind, if I don't do this now... It's going to be too late. You know, you know, everybody thinks, like, I'm too uh-huh. old to start over. I'm too old to do this or that. Like, mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were going to reach that point one day? Is that maybe what scared you a bit into doing mm-hmm. it? No. I mean. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Just, no, <laughs> not at all. I, I honestly, you know, I may in 20 years from now be like a sculptor or a, a something else. You know, I don't, I didn't look at it as a forever change. I just looked at it as like the next step. Okay. So. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, and I think the older I've gotten, the more, the easier it's been for me to feel confident and, and like, you know, sort of powerful in my own choices. Yeah. So I just feel more grounded. I joke with my friends that, like, the older I get and the closer to 40 I get, the less bucks I give. Like, <laughs> all, all the things that I cared about. There's just, I just can focus my time and energy on the things that really matter yeah. now. And that's that's really how cool. I feel. At 27, you have the quarter-life crisis. You're yeah. like, I must figure out <laughs> yes. the rest of my life now. You're comparing yes. yourself to everyone. Mm-hmm. But now, okay, I'll start a podcast. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Maybe I'll be freaking Oprah 70 years right. from now. Maybe nobody will give a shit in two months. I, You know? Right, but at least but it's just like, it. it's cool and it's fun for now. And it's going to help mm-hmm. me learn something now and grow. And maybe that leads to something else. Exactly. What it's did your like, husband uh, think of the whole shift? Was he like, okay. No, he's so incredibly supportive. And um, I've told this story before, but I'll I'll tell it forever that (laughs) the day I decided that I was really going to give painting a go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, pretty close to when I was like, "Ooh, I don't want to do that project. I took him to Boulevard (laughs) and gave him a beard. I handed him a beard. I told him, you know, I think I think that I'm going to pursue painting full time. And he just said, I trust you to do anything except be on time for anything anywhere. At <laughs> least well, you don't have to clock in anymore, so that's fine. Right, exactly. It's like, well, that's fair. That's true. It's like, in, until you take my Jayhawk pictures back mm-hmm. for me, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How no, did you thing. adapt to the new normal? Um, you know what I mean? Did you have to yeah. sacrifice anything or give anything up for yeah. you to, to be able to pursue full-time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've... You know, when I first left, I had a little nest egg in my from my design business mm-hmm. that helped me get through those first few months. But definitely pursuing that was scary and finances were tight for us and we just we had to make some sacrifices there. But yeah, I mean it's when I have been doing I should say like as 
I've been painting and doing what I love, it doesn't feel as much of a struggle mm -hmm. as it did when I started my design business, which in that case, we had to do kind of the same thing mm -hmm. until things got going. But it's all felt different this time because I, I really, truly feel passionate about it. Yeah, I was thinking about that on the way here, actually. So I listened mm -hmm. to this podcast earlier today, and it was called... Well, something the name of the podcast was the name of the episode. Something about oh, it's probably Oprah. <laughs> probably always going back Super to soul. Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like life is figureoutable. Oh. Everything in life is figureoutable. Totally. And I was like, gosh, there is there is this mysterious secret sauce. Even though it takes a lot of work, i.e., painting, mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel like it, there's some just magical shit that happens to where you always just figure out a way. The opportunities yeah. are always like rolling in to get totally. you through. Yeah, it's. It's easier for, personally, it's way easier for me to see life that way and to follow those kind of, uh, you know, chance things and magic things in life when things are going really well. It's much harder for <laughs> yeah. me when things are tough and, you know, it's things aren't always easy. You know, yeah. you kind of ebb and flow. So I always have to remind myself everything that's supposed to be happening is happening. I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. That's kind of a mantra for me is... Anytime I get sort of scared or like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> Which happens a lot because I, yeah. I tend to just kind of leap and then figure it out as I go. So, uh, yeah. So we can be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Was there ever a day, I think this could relate to people in any aspect trying to get started, whether they're mm -hmm. creating clothes or creating a movie or a book mm -hmm. or something like that. Was there ever a day or a painting where you, mm -hmm. you got halfway done and you were just stuck and you didn't feel like you could finish it for whatever reason. Mm. Yeah, all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah, I think, and it's always for me when I'm tired or when I haven't allowed myself the time to do like all those things I was talking about. Hmm. You know, that self, self-care self is such like a buzzword, buzz phrase right now. But yeah, I think, you know, cre being a creative person, the, the most important tool for that mm -hmm. is actually ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not like you know, the computer or the right microphone or the, you know, the cell phone or the camera or whatever. Yeah. You know, we put a lot of stock in these sort of apps and things that help us do our creativity. Mm -hmm. But really, it's like we kind of forget about the, you know, the personal aspect of that. You know, when was the last time I had a glass of water? <laughs> like, yes. You know, it's like really simple things. And I find the better that I'm able to, like, consistently take care of myself, the more... I'm in, able to get into a flow state really easily. So what did you say to yourself or do in that moment of stuckness mm. to be able to push through? Yeah, um, I didn't push through. I took a break. Okay. Yeah, because when I push, I always ruin things. Oh. So I, when I feel myself wanting to push on something really hard, which, like, it's kind of my personality to want to, like, push, 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 mm -hmm. keep going, finish it. Um, you know, I have like a, a drive and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that sort mm -hmm. of drive to finish, but there's also this, you know, this sense or this thing that I know now, like when I push myself too hard, I get burnt out and it takes me a really long time to come back around when I do that. So if I take more frequent breaks and take care of myself more consistently, I'm not hitting those burnout valleys so hard. And, but I did, even when I started painting, I did that too, because I had to, again, really learn to listen to myself when it's like, okay, 
I'm tired. Even if I've only been painting for 30 minutes, if it was like, you know, rage painting or like fast and furious, like, ah, it's like sometimes it comes out that fast and then it's like, okay, I'm done for today. So a lot of it's just being like self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. And where like you're at in that letting day. it be, letting like whatever I need be okay. Mm-hmm. So like since my daughter was born in November, I just came back from maternity leave and um, in April. And I've had to go home at, like, 2 o'clock a lot of days because I haven't slept very much the night before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just trying to let that be okay right now because that's what I need. And if I were to try to push through till the end of the day, then that tiredness would just start to snowball. And then that's when I get sick. And then that's when, you know, I lose my temper with my kids. Or that's when, you know, (laughs) (laughs) everything (laughs) suffers when I don't take care of myself first. Yeah. Has it ever balled up so much to where you were like, I'm just, I'm done with this period before you were able to be self-aware? Like, okay, I just need a freaking cup of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's what happened, you know, when my, when my back um, got hurt the first time, I think it was a lot of that, like just totally ignoring my, like myself and my body mm-hmm. for so many months until pain in your body is like trying to tell you something and if you don't listen it just keeps getting like louder and louder and louder (laughs) until I was literally screaming and I had to you know take a break and stop working for months and it's like if I had just taken care of that that day or that week you know I imagine I I wouldn't have needed all of that time off it ended up being like a beautiful blessing yeah yeah it's since your swerve great word yeah it's such a great (laughs) word I love it what has been your most vulnerable moment Ooh, that's a good question. Um, gosh, I could think of a few. Um, I think one of them was right when I decided to start painting full time. I was receiving some coaching at the time, and one of the tips from that coach was, you know, when you're afraid, just like fit, actually like look at those fears, don't run away from them. And so I've gotten to the habit. I did this for the first time. Then I wrote down a list of every single thing I was afraid of. And it was like, you know, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of not making any money. No one will buy my work. It won't be good enough. I won't be good enough, blah, blah, blah. And it was about 150 things. Wow. And when I spewed that out into, you know, a piece of paper and looked at it, it was like, first of all, oh, my God, I've been holding all of that inside. And, like, Mm -hmm. that takes up a lot of space and energy to be afraid of that many things (laughs) all at once. So it was really cathartic just to get it out. But then it was like going through the list and going through each one and asking myself, like, is this true? And a lot of the answers were, I will not know unless I try. I will not know unless I try. And so over and over again, I I started, that became the thing that I would think when when one of those fears would pop up. So, Mm. and I still do that Yeah, I was going to say, I would like twice a year, probably something good to do. Yeah, I mean, it depends on like what I'm up to. Likewise, but like coming back from maternity leave, I had a tough pregnancy. I didn't paint a lot last year. So coming back and like kind of restarting that, you know, it was again, like, let's make the list. Like, and then there's another human who's part of my family and a whole another set of responsibilities mm-hmm. that, you know, you kind of grow and change. And so I, I make those lists and sometimes it's just two things and sometimes it's a hundred. <laughs> so I may not be able to eat today because right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got a lot of stuff to do. Yep. What is it about painting that fuels you? Oh, is there a why behind it? That's, a, that's such a good question. I mean, that 
the act of painting, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to explain. That's a good question. It's just like when I'm painting, I kind of just get lost Mm -hmm. in it. And, you know, the like time, what time it is and all of that just sort of fades. And I'm just kind of in this like physical, you know, thing where I don't know. It's just like it's like a meditation kind of. of. Yeah, it just kind of comes out and... Yeah, it's it's a hard. That's such a good question. I thought, <laughs> should have thought of that one before. <laughs> no one's ever asked me that before. So, yeah, it, it's like a flow state. I mean, that's oh, that's like that's a cool. you know a buzz phrase, and I that would be the explanation of it. I feel really like my most creative and my most myself when I'm actually in the act of painting. I get that. Yeah, I think we all have things that we like. For me, you know, just talking and being behind the mic or TV or something. It's like, I feel like I could be myself the most, yeah. you know, like non-judge. So. Totally. I think that it's just because it feels so right when mm-hmm. I'm doing that. It was just this kind of knowing that like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is a gift that I was born with and mm-hmm. something that not everyone wants to do or can do and no kidding I look at freaking those paintings I was telling my other uh friend that's an artist she's a painter and I was like oh yeah I go to like the art shows mm-hmm. where you sold your stuff and I was oh, I could probably do that <laughs> yeah. and you find out how long it freaking took yeah. him to do I was like actually it took me 800 hours I'm yeah. like what the hell I just thought I could do this with my fingers oh my no God. it's crazy yeah. I wish I had that talent yeah and it's there's so many like there's so many things that I wish I was able to do that you know, I I have no one except that like I can't sing. I I've always wished I could sing, and, and so I could be in a band. And <laughs> <laughs> we could start a band. I know. Well, That's I fine. Like, I, play the I can. I've heard I sound like the Little Mermaid. Oh, so we can... <laughs> <laughs> that's that funny that we could be so effing talented at something, but you're like, but I still would really yeah. love to know how to play hockey. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like singing is is not a teachable thing. You know, no, to an extent, it's so annoying. You can, but there's. You know, not to like be too boastful about it, but there's like a natural talent thing that can't be taught with singing. And I mm-hmm. think there's a little bit of that with creating art. Oh my God, totally. And I think you can maybe show, you know, it's like the paint wine yeah. nights or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I totally got this. <laughs> yeah. You could show them how to do each stroke and it looks yeah. completely different. And my bird is fat and has three legs. Like, <laughs> Which is like good. It should be different. But my bird that, but... has three legs? Yeah. Your bird can be anything you want it to be. <laughs> that means I drink too much wine yeah, while I was well, painting. That's true. Then, like, then that's you supposed to be a branch. But <laughs> yeah. What inspires you, and who inspires you the most behind your work? I think my my family definitely inspires me. Um, I think that most of my inspiration really comes from just being curious Hmm. and so it's not really from like a specific place as much as just an allowance to like let myself fall very deeply down a rabbit hole when something interests me and makes me curious so Mm -hmm. you know that happens I love listening to podcasts and reading the newspaper and reading magazines and sometimes I will hear something that sparks uh, curiosity and then I'll go and fall down that rabbit hole and like you know, Radio Lab. there was something about, like, a bird that builds these altars, and then I started watching videos about that bird, and then I got down this, like, David Attenborough <laughs> rabbit hole, and then, like, you know, and then pretty quick, I'm, like, looking into climate change, and, like, <laughs> and <awesome>. so, <laughs> I, so I think that's just, you know, just letting myself sort of have the freedom to 
you know, spend time getting curious and wandering. And that's the best things always come when I'm not looking for inspiration. Oh, so I try that's to like, like true in anything. I think. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. Wow. And I try to create, like cultivate those times in my schedule now where I just have no plans mm-hmm. or I'm going to take myself on a road trip somewhere, but no plans about what I'm going to do on my way there. So maybe I'll pull over and see something and then that'll spark something. And that's, it's just like a treasure hunt. That's so cool. And, I mean, I just, that kind of stuff and like the research mm-hmm. and like really geeking out about something is like that really fills me up as much as the painting. And it's like long and like detailed and, mm-hmm. and then the painting is really fast. And so it's like this weird, cool your stuff um, is wild. Combination. Thank so you. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, Thank can you. I get a wallet size? Yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> is it hard to take that time out for those road trips and stuff with two little ones? Yeah, it is. And I'm trying to just kind of roll with it right now, especially while I have a little, little baby who hasn't really loved taking a bottle. So, you know, my my schedule and what I'm able to do has been really limited over the past few months. Mm-hmm. So I have been spending more time listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and sort of doing the things I can do, like, while I'm nursing her. And that, you know, it's just like a season. I'm trying to just, it's, yeah. it's not easy, and I'm not good at this every day. And some days I'm, like, so frustrated and feel like, oh, my God, I have to get out of the house. But, you know, I try to just find a medium of kind of just letting myself, like, go with the flow, surrendering to what my life is right now because I'm going to look back even probably in six months and be like, oh, my God, (laughs) I I missed that already. And in five years and in ten years and, you know. Would you have advice (laughs) for a mom or a dad? that wants to take this work, like, I want to start my own clothing business or, or yeah. whatever it is that they want to start, but they have a toddler. And yeah. they're like, there's no there's no way. It's not going to work. It's irresponsible. Mm. It's impossible. It's just, it's I can't do it. What, yeah. what would you say to them? Well, I would say, what is, what's the cost then? If you're working a job you hate, you come home tired every day, you're, you're not your best self for your kid, and then you're, you're showing your kid and modeling to your kid, depending on what their age is, that work is this thing to hate and mm-hmm. to complain about. You know, changing jobs, what is the value of taking maybe a pay cut temporarily, but taking like a life total upgrade mm-hmm. in the interim? It's such, you know, I think we place too much value on money itself. Mm-hmm. And there's this huge, beautiful thing that happens when you can work for yourself and be happy yeah like being happy is I think one of the best gifts we can give our kids and like honestly again like I I try (laughs) and I you know again I try to find that like medium level of happy instead of coming home every day being exhausted and run down and burnt out would you say it's easier painting's effing hard and actually like (laughs) hustling for your yourself is hard too would you Mm -hmm. still say that that's easier than going to a job that you hate I don't think it's easier. I think it's more rewarding. And I'm mm. I'm much, like, the quality of my life and the time that I spend with my family is so much better because I'm not so crowded in my brain with, like, ugh, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of feeling that you're underappreciated or underpaid or whatever mm-hmm. that is. That's kind of a toxic thing, I think. Totally. What stresses you out the most, then, with having two little <laughs> ones and trying to run your own business? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, um, how do you set goals? How do you yeah. how do you hold yourself accountable every day when you have these toddlers needing you? Yeah, every f- five seconds. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a delicate balance. It's all, it's different every day. And like the thing that I find the hardest right now is just being able to move in and out of life and business. So like in business, I have to be able to take a 50,000 foot view of everything that's going on, you know, big picture. Okay, we're, you know, when do we need to start planning for Q4 and all of that. But I also need to be like down in the minutia of like writing an email and then also in the making time to paint and also making time with my family and like my son's off school for a week for summer break and you know what are we going to do that's fun because we get time together you know individually next week and then um, but what if my daughter won't take a bottle and so (laughs) there's a lot of chaos and I have to just kind of let things go all the time things don't always get done and I'm I'm the boss I'm the one who's making the (laughs) to-do list and so I have to remember like if things don't get done it's okay I'm I'm the only one who's you know really making (laughs) but yeah well, clearly you get shit done <laughs> because I don't mean to scream this at you. Mm. Fifty-four mother effing thousand dollars. Oh my god, that's bananas! So uh, the American Heart Association for their Go Red for Women luncheon, they just reached out to you. Yep. And said, let's work together. There's a thousand empowering women that are coming to this event. You said you knew immediately what you wanted to paint. Mm-hmm. That's the one I want to wallet size up because I can't <laughs> afford the $27,000 version. <laughs> well, it's sold, so. <laughs> That's crazy. So you yeah. sold your Wonder Woman mm-hmm. piece that was bejazzled in 33 <laughs> carats. I can't even visualize what sandwich size bag oh, I know. <laughs> of that is on the painting. About, so it was in her cuffs. Uh-huh. It was in her, where was the other part? Was it, it was on in, her, in the star in, in her, her headpiece. star in her headpiece. Yeah. And then it was auctioned off for uh-huh. $27,000. Uh-huh. And then somebody else was just like, uh-uh. Yeah, there like, were two. I really want it. There were two people who were kind of duking it out in Man. the bidding. And so they, you know, they kind of landed on twenty seven. And then went to the other bidder and said, if you'll match that, she'll do a second piece. So, How did um, it feel? Oh my gosh, it, it was amazing. And when they described the event to me, I just knew that it was going to be a moment, of, like a really special moment, to, to talk about a painting really personally and about something that I really felt like we could all see ourselves in. And so, and that was the first piece I did after I came back from maternity leave. So it was a very personal reclamation of my job, really, mm-hmm. in doing that piece. Um, but also it was cool in Wonder Woman and it had, you know, 33 <laughs> carats of diamonds in it, which oh was God. absolutely insane. Cause did you know that that was going to be part of it or did the jeweler approach you later? No, we, I wanted to mix diamond dust into the painting because I had, you know, I'd worked with limestone and mm-hmm. I'd have a tendency to just mix sort of meaningful other weird things into my work. Yeah. Um, and I figured that there was some sort of sawdust that came off of a diamond when they were cutting and shaping them. And I was like, well, maybe somebody around town has like a bucket of diamond dust laying around that they like want to get rid of. Figured like how would you just? <laughs> I don't know. It's like I was like, man, you know, like diamonds are the hardest material on earth. So are women. It's like a perfect, oh. um, you know, combination of things. And so we, my team, started calling around 
to see and Myerado Jewelers was like, yeah, we don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but would you like some diamonds? Because we think this idea is so wow. incredible. So at that, I mean, yeah, I about fell out of my chair the day that Sarah, my director of ops, called me and was like, we got the bag of diamonds. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like, Can this you will help- go down in history. <laughs> like, you help me visualize if I have my yeah. hands out, how it's, many diamonds? It's about the size of the palm of your hand. Man. So it was loose diamonds and all, you know, small pieces. So oh my God. Um, yeah, when I opened that bag the first time, I was like, oh my God, is my studio door locked? Like, I was going to say, would you nervous collecting oh, the goods? I was. I was very nervous at first and then I kind of relaxed into it but I counted all of them by hand mm-hmm. because I really wanted to know how many diamonds were in there for respect first. Yeah. But also that was a detail that I wanted the person who bought the painting to only know. Because I like to kind of withhold these little secrets and Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this whole room of a thousand people and everyone who saw the piece got to know that there were 33 carats of diamonds but the actual number of diamonds in the painting is a secret and only the person who got it you know got the book with the tally sheet that I used to count them up and then there's like a few other little secret things I put in there too so side note this actually was a (laughs) listener that had asked this question what other surprising elements if you're willing to share Mm -hmm. have you added to some of your paintings sure um Let's see here. Uh, diamonds for one. That was a first, but open to more. Um, <laughs> limestone, rock chalk, dirt. Um, I'm actually working right now with a guy who makes ink out of found materials to make some ink out of some dirt. To I'll explain that in a few months when I do that piece, but yeah. there's going to be a big meaning behind that one. Cool. Um, ash. And, um, like, matchsticks, cucumbers. Cucumbers. Or, like, cucumber seeds, pickle juice. There was, like, a whole thing from, like, a Rick and Morty episode for someone. Again, like, weird weird rabbit holes, things that are meaningful to people. (laughs) You know, when I do commission work, I find out, you know, I really get to know somebody and, like, their things that are uniquely their story. And then Mm -hmm. I figure out how to make something physical out of that. And so sometimes it's, like... You know, there was, like, a joke about a pickle, and so we used, like, a cucumber to do some of the painting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have you ever swept your floor and been like, oh you know what, God. I'll just use this for yeah. this painting to represent <laughs> the dirt of life? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I just, like, you know, mix things in. I actually found, uh, I unwrapped a, a drop cloth when I moved into my studio space, and I hadn't used it since I did that piece with the pickles, and there was, like, a few seeds on it, and I was like, oh, memories. <laughs> They're a little moldy now. Yeah, it was was, uh, kind of gross, but... So going back to the Wonder Woman thing, Mm -hmm. because you had, again, on on one of your posts, you said, I saw myself, I saw all of us in it, messy, battle-scarred, gritty, but powerful as ever. Mm. How much did that speak to your journey from swerving Mm. from where you were to where you are today? Did Did that symbolize anything for you? Uh, yeah, it symbolized a lot for me. And I think, I think mostly it was about my pregnancy, which was so tough. So I had, you know, a few years ago when I started painting initially, I had hurt my back. And when I got pregnant around like my eighth or ninth week of pregnancy, that injury flared. And probably because of just hormone changes and, you know, it it wasn't anything I did Mm -hmm. to 
to injure it. And I was totally down for the count. I mean, in on bed rest. And I would say like that, my pregnancy, because during that time, I wasn't able to do anything to to kill the pain. You know, mm-hmm. when the when I did it the first time, I was able to, you know, use certain herbal remedies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know other things you know and dandelions like, and things. you know just like some dandelion tea and <laughs> yeah I mean I was able to escape from it mm-hmm. and this time like there was no escape from it and it was very 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 intense and there were days you know I think two months that I didn't sleep truly wow. didn't sleep so I was under this like extreme sleep deprivation incredible pain it was hard I mean it was really the hardest thing I've ever done and it progressed you know it was sort of peaking around when I was like 20 weeks pregnant which is supposed to be the time when you're the most yeah and so there it was it was hard I mean there was a lot of like emotional stuff that went with that Mm -hmm. so coming back to work after my pregnancy and kind of getting getting through that and like surviving that and being able to then come back to work and sort of just start again after you know I have had to do that a few times it was I think during that time I really found this depth of strength that I had that I didn't know was possible Mm -hmm. and yeah I think Wonder Woman for me kind of represented everybody goes through shit everyone has their stuff and a lot of times you don't even know what people are going through and so it's like we all put on, you know, we come forward and we're strong and powerful mm-hmm. and we we stand in front of this shit show behind us or this like incredible confetti cannon of goodness or whatever somebody was in someone's life. That was kind of what came out into that painting was just like stepping forward out of that and having par and, you know, dust and being stained from that, but still being powerful, being able to be graceful and feminine still too. I mean, it obviously meant a lot to me. (laughs) How would you say, in what way is it worth it to continue to push every single time you feel Mm. like not kicked down sometimes it feels like you're kicked down but in the moments where you're like gosh things were going great why do I have to be suffering or struggling with this whether Mm -hmm. emotionally or physically what makes it worth it every single time to to get through that Mm -hmm. yeah um you're gonna make me cry (laughs) um I mean the there's there's no other option than to just move through it and in the hardest moments of that it was just knowing that like I have to keep moving through I cannot stay in this not for me not for you know I still was a mom to a three-year-old and still a wife still had a business that was going and you know I just knew that it was going to be it was going to get better and I told my husband you know you're what I need from you most right now is to just constantly tell me it's going to get better it's going to get better and so you know all day, every day, sometimes he would tell me that, and, mm. and it did. Aww. <laughs> High five to this guy. Yeah, I know, he's a good one. <laughs> when you look back, does it still feel like you took a big risk? In that moment, mm. maybe, but yeah. now? Yeah, it's a that's a good question, because at the time, you know, what the leap was in comparison to where I am now, it felt so crazy and so enormous. <laughs> But really, like, looking back, it you know, it was just like a step forward. It wasn't a leap at all. But it just, yeah. I felt totally insane then. But, um, yeah. And you look back and you're like, you're so silly. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can't, why were you so afraid of that? Do you 
if you were to look back at that person, like had you still been in graphic uh, design, do you feel differently than that person back then? Does she seem recognizable? Mm. Yeah, I feel like a totally different person. Interesting. How have you evolved? In what way? I think I've become way more sure of myself and way more confident in just listening to my own, you know, weird ideas and my crazy ideas and all these things that I've always been a person who has crazy ideas. (laughs) And I would always, you know, sort of brush them aside and put them down here for later for when I had time. And now, like, run with those things right away. I think I'm just way more myself, I think, really. What message would you want to give your kids when it comes to going for what it is that you want at the very beginning? And maybe it was okay Mm. that you took all, you know, all of the the paths that you took because now you appreciate it more. But what do you want them to see out of all of this? Oh, yeah. Um, That I, that I tried. I did scary things um, because I felt like they were right for me and didn't back down from things that were scary and I think that's a that's a big thing but also really importantly and this is something we are really working on I think more with my son well my daughter's only five months but um, (laughs) just like letting myself when I feel afraid and just like letting myself be afraid Mm. instead of and when I feel angry like letting myself be angry and you know just whatever it is that's happening just like letting that happen instead of trying to be like oh I don't like why am I afraid that's wrong it's mm. like it's o- it's okay for that to be part of it's here for a reason so I might as well look at it yeah do you feel like it's better it's made you a better mom yeah definitely because I you know I think letting myself be afraid and letting myself make mistakes and do things is showing my kids that it's okay to be human mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we have to do that we have to when I you know, screw up and yell at him or something, I always apologize and talk to him and, and say, you know, I, I make mistakes too sometimes and sometimes I lose my temper and that's that's okay. I'm human and if you lose your temper, that's okay too. Oh God, tell him to so. like sit in the back of my car. <laughs> my husband, every time we're on the phone, he's like, yep, another check mark in the box. You just lost your shit on another person on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Red rage. What has been the hardest effect of this swerve? Yeah, that's, I would say like, at the beginning when I started my design firm, so that was in 2010, so I've been on my own for almost 10 years. And at the beginning, losing that stable income and, you know, that sort of dependability was hard. Mm-hmm. I think, like, that seems like that's the thing that's the scariest to everyone is, like, you depend on this income every other week. And to remove that is, is really scary. So, yeah, I think just being being in charge of my own, like, financial destiny. Does that still kind of scare <laughs> you to this day? Is that yeah. a stressful? Yeah. yeah. With growth of my business needs to be growth of my income. And so I want to keep scaling up and keep, you know, hiring awesome people to work with me and mm-hmm. having, a you know, the space and being able to donate things like Wonder Woman and, you know, all the things that I want to keep growing and changing. And that requires all of that to keep growing and changing. So it's, it's never a place where I like get into a comfort zone. And I'm like, okay, I made this much this year, and I'm going to make this much for the rest of my career. And it's all guaranteed. And we're good now. No, that's totally not. Yeah. How it works. It's like, it's like, okay, I, I did that. Like now, now that I did that, I want to like, how can I level up from there? Yeah. So that's always a little uncomfortable. <laughs> imagine yeah what has been the greatest effect from from the Mm. swerve or best lesson Mm. 
I think I've just been able to like really relax into who I am, like for real. Mm. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's totally invaluable. Mm. Oh, this is all. <laughs> Hashtag no regrets. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Any final pieces of advice? Mm. You don't have to get one. Yeah. Um, no, I feel like I can... Drink your water. Right, yeah. <laughs> go have a glass of water. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you so High much. High five above yeah. the mic. Woo. Woo.